0: Welcome to Rethinking Youth Ministry, where each week we hope to raise the bar for youth ministry by asking questions, interviewing thinkers, and having real, honest conversations about what it looks like to lead the next generation. I'm Sarah, and today I'm thrilled to be joined by Crystal. Hi. Ashley. Hello. And Chef. Hey, everybody. And today on the Rethinking Youth Ministry podcast, we're going to be discussing what you need to know about Generation Z. So... In case there's anybody who doesn't know what Generation Z is, what what are the years we're looking at here, the ages? What includes Generation Z?
1: Generation Z is
0: defined as
1: kids who were born in 1995 or later, okay. which means the oldest Gen Zers are 22. They just graduated from college. But I mm. would say that anytime it's the bubble generation, like mm. right at the end or right at the beginning, they don't have all the characteristics. I'm a bubble generation kid Mm -hmm. right between Gen X and the millennial generation. I don't have all the characteristics of either. So I would say for the purposes of our conversation,
0: Generation Z is really kids who are seniors in high school and below. Okay, so why does it matter that we start examining the way that Generation Z functions and works and exists in their social context, in their cultural context, ministry context, all of it? Why does it matter?
2: I think it's important to know their values, mm-hmm. what they find is most important, because if it doesn't align with what we value as ministry leaders or small group leaders, I think that could have like severe implications for the outcome of those relationships right. or our view on those relationships.
1: Yeah, that's good. And I think when people talk about generations, what they're they're not really talking about age. What they're talking about is culture mm-hmm. and beliefs and like I, Ashley said, values and practices. And I think anytime we intend to do ministry with a culture that's not our own, we have to learn a lot about that culture. If I were going to move to a different country and do ministry there, I would learn to speak their language and Mm -hmm. I would learn what matters to them and what's offensive to them. And that's true when we're leading a different generational culture as well.
3: You know, I love the visual or the movie 21 Jump Street because I think that, (laughs) you know, this is what Marco Stryker talked about on our episode a few episodes ago or many episodes ago, but... Just the idea of, you know, going undercover into another culture mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then operating as though the rules haven't changed mm-hmm. or the cultural norms haven't changed and it's you just become ineffective. So in a lot of ways, we're constantly programming to what worked yesterday. Right. Because we were around yesterday and in many ways we're kinda lagging behind. So yeah. we have to pay attention to stay relevant, not with the truth of what we're talking about right. and mm-hmm. not with what we're talking about, but with how we're talking about it.
0: I think what you said that was an important distinction that I think sometimes it can be confusing when we say a word like relevance that we are watering down something to right. make it relevant but it can mm-hmm. appeal to a new generation while also still being true and foundational.
3: Right. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times someone who listens to somebody and and uses the term watered down mm-hmm. you know they don't it doesn't hit them as hard because they operate by a different value system. Yeah. Yes. But I'm trying to get kids to feel that same punch you felt years yeah. ago that they're not going to feel if you talk about it the way you talked about it or they talked about it with you when, when you were a kid or whatever. But, you know, it's, it's, it's just so important. And I think the other frustrating thing about it you know, as somebody who worked in middle school for years, as people always ask me, do you survey your middle schoolers? I'm like, heck no. Like, they don't know and everything. I mean, that's the thing. they don't yeah. know what they want. Right, right. And yep. so it really takes a skilled eye to be paying attention constantly mm. yeah. about what it is that they're responding to well, and we just need to study it. The good news is we live in a world where... Um, you know, a capitalistic country and they spend billions of dollars. So people are paying mm-hmm. close attention. And I think right. this is a great opportunity for us as, a, as the church to, you know, kind of lean in on the business side of things and just see what they're talking about, what's selling so that mm-hmm. we can understand mm-hmm. the sort of things that motivate a kid.
0: Yeah, that's great. You
1: know, years and years ago, a youth pastor I was serving with said, Hey, this, this generation we're serving is different than previous generations. Can you just go do some research and find out why? And so I did. I did lots of Googling, which is always effective to find yeah. accurate information. <laughs> and I came across this idea of generational change, and it brought me to Generation Y, which was eventually renamed as Millennials. Mm-hmm. And and it was just so helpful, but all the information that I found was not from the church. Right. It was always from marketing organizations. Yeah. And in fact, at the time... There, there was a website that just talked about what is trending with this generation right now because they're so driven yeah. by getting the disposable income of teenagers. Yeah.
3: <laughs> you know, and, it's, uh, as a teacher, one of the things people ask me about, like what prepped me to be a student pastor, mm-hmm. uh, and I was like, I basically steeped in their culture yes. as a teacher mm-hmm. be, for 8 hours a day and they talk like you're not there. Mm-hmm. And if if you become a student of them, you can learn so much about it. So as a teacher, you know, who's trying to get kids motivated about whether it was calculus or physics or whatever I was teaching that day, it was like I'm trying to figure out ways to connect with them, but the good news was I could just watch, you know. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and then and then there were even some kids I could just Ask, like, did that work or did that not work? Yeah. Those sorts of things. I know, Crystal, you yeah. and Ashley, you were
0: yeah. Yeah, teachers for
3: years, and it's just so interesting. To One
1: live. of my favorite things that I've done yeah. in recent years was because I've been out of the classroom for about five years now, yeah. is I go back to substitute teach on occasion, right? And for the money. Oh, yeah. Super <laughs> for the money. Listen, for the money. I could buy lunch <laughs> for that. Um, yeah. no, it's because
2: of the nice way they treat you when you're a substitute teacher. <laughs> yeah. It's all the respect I all get. the yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, It's so great to spend a day with actual teenagers who are not in a church and yep. who act differently when they're not yeah. in a church. Right. And you can ask them anything you want because your only job is to keep them alive and out of jail that day. Like right. there aren't a lot of expectations for actual learning. Right. So I'll always ask the question while I'm there, what are some things that adults say that you don't say or what are some things that adults think you say or think you like that you actually don't? And it is so clarifying. That's a great question. Every time that happens cuz they'll be like, "Oh, Adult guys keep calling me bro, and that's weird and old. And I'm like, oh, it is? (laughs) (laughs) It's weird and old. Okay,
2: thanks.
0: (laughs) So it seems like some of the things that we would notice about this next generation would only make sense when compared to the generation before it. So, what are some of the things that we've noticed about the millennial generation that how Generation Z is different? You know, I just recently watched this simulcast
2: um, by Barna, which was talking about their new release. They were studying Gen Z and trying to figure out that very thing. And that was what was most interesting to me was, since I am a millennial, um, how are these teenagers different than the people who are currently leading them? Because I think that's so important. And um, to me, what stuck out the most was really, uh, the reality that they really are a blank slate. They're considered the mm-hmm. first post-Christian generation to exist. Yeah. And I was thinking the implications that would mean for us as youth pastors mm-hmm. and the influence and the importance of what we do is more important than ever. And the influence potential that we have is yeah. greater than ever. And the mm-hmm. other thing that I thought was most important, I remember they showed this one graph where they talked about millennials. Um, when they asked millennials what their primary mark of adulthood was, their answer was typically emotional maturity, mm-hmm. where Generation Z answers financial independence. and Generation Z. Millennial answers or Z? An- oh, Z, Z answers financial. 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 You're kidding. Oh, wow. Yeah, and a That's lot. Of, so interesting. A lot of the the data was showing just how important performance was to this yes. generation, at education, and to the the way they find their identity and success is so much in the way they're
0: performing. Which we talked about just a couple of days ago in a creative meeting. We were saying how we it used to be or it used to feel like this the anxiety. Um, put on students, or the students were feeling, were mm-hmm. coming in the more affluent areas, or the stuff that their parents are putting on, depending on where they are growing up. But that right. it really has become a cross cultural mm-hmm. phenomenon. Mm-hmm. This anxiety, especially, and that makes sense if they're driven About by
3: what is next and setting yeah. yourself up. Yeah. yeah,
0: and
1: you know that makes so much sense because I think every generation, in some ways, is shaped by the crisis that they experienced as children. And the crisis that, that this generation experienced was the 2007-2008 financial recession. crisis. Yeah, the recession. And they saw families losing homes and families who made maybe poor financial decisions or great financial decisions and still experiencing that extreme yeah. instability. And I think that really shaped what they said, I'm going to do different
3: when I grow up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That's interesting. The um, I had a volunteer who worked with a company and he kind of sent me a internal copy of their marketing uh-huh. research that they had done on this generation. And they said the most interesting thing. They said that this generation is the, the, the generation that's most like them are the baby boomers, huh. Huh. which I thought was interesting. But, and then it made the point that they have watched the generation before them, everybody getting a trophy for everything. Right. And mm-hmm. they just don't buy that anymore. Mm-hmm. They don't want to be yep. given a trophy unless they've earned it. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. And that, that they, that they, And I guess that goes straight to the hard work thing. Yeah, yeah. That they are they're going to achieve on their own, and they don't want someone basically blowing smoke sunshine. You know.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I was
2: I was reading an article just about the importance of being real with Generation Z Mm -hmm. and how they have no tolerance for something that's fake. Mm -hmm. Um, And they've even done studies on it. Like in 2014, American Eagle implemented this no Photoshop policy, Uh and they saw their sales like increase dramatically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and I just think that's so interesting, the importance of I mean, it's actually made me rethink you and I, Chris, oh, were talking about we, how we, we do just talked about communicator this. videos and yeah. how natural does it look. I mean, yeah. that's something that I think has huge
1: implications for our programming. Yeah. Because if kids are naturally suspicious of anything that's overproduced, we have to be really careful to to not only program authentically, but then to live authentically right. when we're off yeah. stage. Um, I see this in my small group all the time. They're yeah. obsessed with things that I think that is so poorly done. <laughs> like why would you watch a video that is edited so badly together yeah. and it looks like this person's just staring into their computer like screen. What are you what are you doing? <laughs> but but to them that's a mark of this is real or this is right. authentic it's not overproduced. Yeah. No one's trying to sell me on it. Yeah.
3: But from a if you're standing on stage and you're talking as though Mm-hmm. You know, you're not perfect. I know I've had several yes. um, over the years, several youth pastors come observe or I'll speak or something. And I can't tell you how many times someone said, I can't believe you're so honest with them about, mm. you know, things that I worked on, worked on or struggled with, or, yeah. you know, and that I'm still not perfect in s- certain things. And I'm like, well, I mean, again, I steeped in their generation for mm-hmm. 10, 11 yeah. years teaching and it, if if you're not authentic. They don't trust you. It's yeah. so true. And the church for how long has just, oh, yeah. you know, I mean the whole scene of driving in with your minivan and dad turning around or mom turning around or whoever, grandpa turn around, whoever it is saying, we're going to be a family that gets along. Yeah. You know, it just, just doesn't work.
0: In the car, right? It yeah.
3: doesn't work for them. They don't connect. They don't trust it, which may be one of the reasons we're seeing then leave.
1: I, I saw this with one of the girls in my own small group. And maybe maybe I talk about this particular group of girls a lot. They're the ones I'm living with and doing life with right this second. And we had a series at church that I thought was hyper relevant. I thought it was right on point. Um, it utilized sort of a, a Snapchat theme, which I thought, great job. And a 15-year-old girl walks into my small group and says, well, that was a stretch to be relevant.
3: wow they could tell we were trying i
2: had nothing to say
3: (laughs) oh my gosh that's amazing because
2: you had the same thought but what do you (laughs) think i thought this is great and she just blew it to bits
3: did you ask her at all i mean did i mean how did that go
2: i saw
1: heads nodding around the room first of all and i went okay tell me more and she goes well it's just obvious that they're trying to connect with teenagers by using Snapchat. Like, we haven't seen
2: that before. <laughs> oh and I was word. like, uh, oh, man. <laughs> this makes amazing. everything we do a just little bit tougher. To me, Speaking you know? of Snapchat, I was just, that just made me think of Instagram and Facebook and how the story has become so much more popular yeah, than posting. Yes. Yeah. And the whole idea of the story is that this is real, this is life, yeah. and it's not necessarily, like, how you're trying to portray your life, which right. are what the posts feel well, like they are. Is
3: that why they have their other accounts Mm -hmm. because they know their parents can't handle, you know, they've got to, they've got to do that for survival, Mm -hmm. but for their friends, they've also got to have this other one to be authentic and be Mm -hmm. like, you know, both sides. You also understand why I need that highlight reel out there for Mm -hmm. grandma. But the reality is, you know, this is who I am. These two accounts are who I am.
1: That's something I have noticed about this generation that I think is really interesting. I mean, we're all a reaction to the generation before us, right? Mm -hmm. We're all sort of a reaction to our parents. And and research shows us that the millennials are the most collaborative culture that that has ever been. And these students are the opposite of that. They they go underground with social media. So we saw everything take a turn from MySpace and Facebook. It's all out there. Everything, I think, Mm -hmm. is on Twitter to... Underground and pictures that disappear, and private conversations, and direct messages, and private texting groups. And everything they do has has gone underground, I think, because they saw the mistakes of the last generation, mm-hmm. and they were warned and warned by people like us yeah. not to make those mistakes.
2: <laughs> yeah. Actually, I had not thought of that. That's so interesting. I was reading this report by Google, and they uh, mentioned, and I know that any study on a generation, it's so hard to like land on a number because I feel like it constantly changes as they right. learn more about that generation right. and they get older. but. This study said that 70% of teen YouTube subscribers saw their YouTube, their favorite YouTube influencers as more relatable and um, more influential than traditional celebrities, which is so opposite, I think, of the millennial culture where we look to celebrities and they're like, nah, no, no big deal. That's fake. Right. I want YouTube, which to them is more real.
1: Yeah. Right. Micro influencers. Hey, I, I found a YouTube statistic, too, that I just thought was. Too interesting. The Generation Z has an average attention span of eight seconds, huh? which is now shorter than most YouTube ads. So YouTube is having to rethink their ad strategy wow. because the attention span is that short. That if That's you
3: haven't crazy. caught me in eight seconds, I have clicked because to move past Because their
1: it. attention span I was believe shaped, it. I think, by Vine, which was six seconds. Interesting. Huh. Interesting. Not, anyway, well, I my, just thought I, that was neat.
3: I mean, I have a 14-year-old that, I mean... That's, it's the YouTube and a 12 year old and it's the YouTube, those videos with, you know, and you listen, I listen to them like, Oh, you know, like I can't (laughs) see that person's voice or the way they're doing that or something like (laughs) that. And I'm, you know, because I have never seen it. I just hear it behind me in the car or whatever. But I mean, Casey Neistat, I don't know if you've ever seen his stuff. He's just, I mean, my 14 year old thinks he's the greatest thing. I mean, and he's on there in a ripped t-shirt and messing around. I mean, I and I, I kind of like some of the stuff, but so we have this brilliant we have this brilliant um, person on staff. Her name is Casey Lanier, and she told me yesterday yeah. that YouTube is the behind Google is the second biggest search engine on the internet.
2: That's I fascinating. believe it. Insane. Isn't that I mean, crazy? Yeah. forget instruction booklets; just go to YouTube. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah,
0: absolutely.
3: Anyway. It's nuts. That
0: is interesting. Actually, I want to go back to something you said earlier about um, the information you saw in Barna, and you said that this generation is more of a blank slate than any I'm other so glad generation you went back before. To this and I
3: cells. thought, <laughs> yes. driving me crazy, you that had is a lot so to say. interesting to me. No, I have so many questions.
0: Well, I I, I've, I listened to the same simulcast that you did and looked through some of those charts, and I, I thought it interesting because the generation before they have had a negative perception of church, so, so if they're coming back, they're trying to undo some kind of baggage mm-hmm. or something that church has done to them but this generation has no imprint from the church at all right. and so mm-hmm. that ha- le- leads to a lot of interesting possibilities for mm-hmm. what the church can do yeah. you they,
3: know I mean the whole model <laughs> the whole model of trying to create an environment that would draw them in or whatever or convince them that mm-hmm. they should we don't need to necessarily do that. I mean, because, but the other thing that's different is I feel like my generation felt like if we show up, they're going to expect us to come back next week. This generation's like, if I I show up, I don't care. (laughs) I mean, it's such a consumer, (laughs) like, Mm -hmm. you know, there's no, you're not signing up for anything if you show up one week. Which we've
0: noticed in Mm -hmm. in attendance numbers with churches as well, right? I mean, over the course of a year, kids are coming about 50% of the time is the average.
3: Oh, no, no,
0: it's or
2: way less than less that
3: now. Yeah, than that. oh, the attendance pad. Well, the technology side of things, the fact that church is available right. online, the kids are coming less often. But the one thing that was interesting that I was starting to see as I um, was finishing up at North Point was especially first timers. First timers yeah. could come once mm-hmm. and then disappear for six months and show up again, yeah. and then so. You know, it usually took like 18 to 24 months of them showing up two or three times before they decided this is something I want to do. But I mean, but they may have liked it, but they're not going to show up necessarily the next week. It might be six months. And so the way we need to think about our our host teams or whoever it is sitting out at the desk and mm-hmm. if we keep names so that you know they don't have to sign up every single time we just we just need to change but what the you way said i thought those. was
0: interesting that means we don't necessarily need to be creating these super inviting environments or it doesn't need to be driven by a well, feel of an environment. Well,
3: I think, I mean, they still or, like, I mean, the number one thing a kid wants in the room is m- more students. I don't think that's mm-hmm. changed. Right. Yet, yeah. You know that, like, that's the number, you know, climbing walls, neat, coffee shops. Cool. Right. Are there people there? That's right. what it's I want That's a developmental to know. desire. Right. right. Yes. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> And they're yeah. still
1: asking the question, like, is, is this for me? Yeah. Is this yeah. for me? Right, I think I, our environments have to communicate
3: that. But well, I think
0: that maybe is the question for millennials, was it more, Am I being entertained?
3: No, I don't it's think it's their question. That? I think it's our approach. Our approach of um, convincing them that they should come here, uh-huh. or convincing them that it's, it's not as bad as you think it's going to be, mm.
0: is the mistake. Mm-hmm.
3: Because mistake. right then and there, I'm going. Well, I mean, if I, if I'm if I'm just showing up and somebody tells me, well, it's not as bad as it used to be, I'm going.
0: I don't know what it used to be.
3: Yeah, and if it's not as bad, it still must be pretty bad. You <laughs> know, <what> I mean, <laughs> yeah. so. I mean, and, and I've always felt that, like, oh, no, no, we're, you know, we're, we're church people, but we're not like most church right. people. Mm-hmm. Well, so I don't what know any church people for? I don't like, you know. Yeah, what what are, does that
0: if, even mean? What <laughs> are the needs that are driving them, that would drive them to go to a church that they could find something in church that they wouldn't find someplace else? What is it that we have to offer? This I generation, mean,
1: I love that this generation cares so much about authenticity, mm-hmm. and I think that's something that the church has to offer if we do it right—is an authentic message from an authentic Savior, surrounded by authentic community. Mm-hmm. Right? And what could right. what could be more enticing than that? Right. right.
3: Well, and I think I mean a, a big push is I walked in a church the other day and it said a community of believers. Da 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 da. And I thought. Well, if I'm not a believer and I walked yeah, in then here, I'm then right. I'm clearly out. an outsider from yeah. the moment I walked in right. the door. Mm. So, can we create an environment where people can, and this is tough, belong mm-hmm. before they believe? Again, this has come up several times in our podcasts, but every this isn't new. That it, I mean, every generation, every kid wants a place to belong. Right. Mm-hmm. So, can we offer belonging in the church? Well,
0: and I think even more. Um, with the technology piece. I mean, they're so connected. We, I mean, we know this. They're so connected, but their ability to have relationships with depth, face to face, is lacking. And right. so that's something the church will be able to always offer that technology can't.
1: You know, this is something that we're trying to figure out. Right. Or and by we, I mean, I am trying to figure out in the group that I'm leading right now is I have girls in significant friendships and significant relationships with people who live across the planet. Mm-hmm. And help coaching them through that, not just in a don't do that because it might be a scary person on the other side, but in reality, it really might just be another teenager and yeah. this is the world you live in and these are real relationships. I have one with a boyfriend across the country, which as her leader has its advantages. <laughs> I'm like, that's not the worst thing. Yeah. But how do I coach you into having authentic and safe habits, right? Authentic relationships and safe habits. This is a brand new frontier for us. Yeah.
2: You know, if it's true that a parent is the number one influence on a student's spiritual walk, I mean, that would mean, you know, these students, if they are post-Christian, if their parents haven't raised them in church or Mm -hmm. raised them with Christian values, um, that would mean... We can't really do ministry apart, right, from partnering with parents. Mm -hmm. Right. That's true. Because clearly that, that, I mean, whether a student admits it or not, that their parent is a spiritual influence for the positive or for the negative, I'm not sure a student would even be self-aware enough to know if they are.
0: I would imagine that means more than ever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If we're not reaching parents. Well, and what's interesting mm-hmm. in that study, that the biggest frustration that student pastors or youth pastors had was the uninvolvement of parents. Right. Which makes so, sense yeah. why they're uninvolved. Right. Mm-hmm.
3: right. Why does it make sense that they're not involved?
0: Well, because if they're parents...
3: I'm a little slower on the uptake.
2: No, you're good. Okay. Sorry, I'm still... like I really am just <laughs> processing so a lot of this information.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're a processor. <laughs>
2: Again, thank you. I appreciate you understand me, Chef. But I'm Um, processing too. So
3: why would parents be less involved?
2: Um, Well... If they themselves aren't as involved in church or their parents. faith. Okay. Yes, parents. Because of technology
3: or whatever it is. Or, or having just a bad because, you know, as
2: church. trends in the last four or five generations mm-hmm. are showing, right. more and more people are walking away from their faith okay. or are less and less involved. Right. And so it would make sense to me why parents wouldn't be as motivated to be involved if their kid was at church because
0: they were not maybe never involved themselves. Right. right. Mm-hmm. And if students are looking for an authentic expression to faith their parents are really the best potential display for that. So to get parents not only invested in the spiritual development of their child, but invested in their own personal spiritual development Mm -hmm. could have farther reaching implications than maybe it has before. Mm
3: -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Can I keep going back to the blank slate thing? Yes. What does that mean? So (laughs) you're saying they have no um, like, feeling about Christianity or the church or... Scripture or
2: now I am really not even close to an expert on (laughs) 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 Christianity.
3: So, this is just what I understand
2: as of today, (laughs) right? That the blank slate when they were referring to that is they don't necessarily have even a negative viewpoint of church or Christianity as much as they just don't even have a a thought about it, right? Whereas the generation before that maybe pushed up against, like, I have more of a negative look, reactionary, or a negative
3: or a yeah. So, it, I mean, culturally, again, youth culture is normally a reaction to yeah. what's going on, right? Mm-hmm. But, I mean, up until this, I mean, blank slate, really. I mean, so the Bible, and does I mean, does it have authority? Does it not have authority? Or is it just more information amongst all the information they can have? I think
0: it's just more information. Yeah. I mean, I mean that's the feeling I got from.
3: That has implications about how we talk about.
0: Absolutely. does.
3: Scripture. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. If we want them to take it seriously, we've mm-hmm. got to, yeah, wow.
2: And I would imagine it all, that number's
0: also changed because family makeups have changed
2: yeah. so much in mm-hmm. generations.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. But back, Chef, what you were just saying, how, how we talk about scripture, I keep going back to that piece of authenticity. I think that gives us permission to talk about the Bible in a very real way, as mm-hmm. having written by very real people and yeah. the kind of the mm-hmm. the struggles that show up in there with humanity, yeah. and I think that gives us permission. That they weren't perfect. Yeah, mm-hmm. it gives and us permission to that. talk about this book and the people that wrote it and make it up in a more holistic way instead of just like this manual.
3: Yeah. Right, it's good. I heard my um, pastor this week talked about that the last generation had a respect for the Bible. They didn't read it, right. <laughs> but it was a <laughs> big white it. book on grandma's yeah. coffee table right. that you don't put drinks on top of, and the Bible <laughs> is important, and now the big white books are gone because right. they're on your phone. It's become right. information just like any other bit of information, and so to lean into that it has some sort of authority that it does, the authority it has for you, being from the last generation, right. that there is a reverence we have for it.
0: It's not there.
3: They don't have a reverence for it yet. And that maybe our job is to back up and help them see it as more than.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: That's fascinating. That's hard to do. Right. When, yeah.
1: I'm looking at a fact right now that I think is so fascinating that may or may not be related to this part of the conversation, but I can't get past it. Because we're all shaped by the books that we read, right? Yeah. And when you look at the last generation, the generation of millennials, the, the books they read as teenagers were categorized as fantasy and when you look at the current generation, the books that they read as teenagers are categorized as dystopian, which is basically That's like post-apocalyptic, okay. broken realities. I thought
3: mm-hmm. that was like a brontosaurus. <laughs> <What> can, <laughs> I can you so define sorted. that for those of love us who to. work
1: in middle school? Right. So <laughs> dystopian literature is basically Hunger like Games. broken world, like Hunger Games, uh, Maze Runner. Runner. Um, but this makes sense when With you look at a millennial. And, and the implications for us mm-hmm. is I live in a world where fantasy is the standard. So when I see something broken, I'm out. This is hard. But a Gen Z kid who grows up reading in worlds that are already broken, when they see broken Ooh. or difficult, it's like, well, okay. It's not a complete turnoff. I think that makes our job easier.
3: Yeah. Wow.
1: So if as a millennial... I expect everything's perfect, and I walk into a church and I meet broken people. My first thought is I should just walk out. Yeah, I'm not because broken. This is awful, right? Right. <laughs> but if I come into the church with a sense of the world is broken, I mean, I almost understand the gospel better from the outset, That's, right? And I yeah. meet broken people and go, well, that makes sense.
2: Yeah. Huh. That's good. You know, one other thing, I was reading this article on the difference between marketing to millennials and Uh marketing to Gen Z. And I know that they're talking specifically about marketing here, but I think that we can learn a lot as the church. Um, And they talked about how Generation Z expects businesses, brands, and retailers to be loyal to them. And if they don't feel appreciated, they'll just move on to something else. Because Mm -hmm. millennials will be, it's not, well, millennials and what's before that? Generation X. X. And Generation X, it's more about them being loyal to the business. Uh So it's kind of flipped, which in church context, that would be rather than them coming to us, it would be us going to them in this generation. That's what they would feel more valued because we're more loyal to them. Yeah. I like that idea.
0: Yeah,
3: I think it's great. And when you think about You know, we we used to talk about small group leaders showing up, you know, like showing up at a ball game, showing up. I mean, it's always meant something, but to this generation, it means more. It's just another argument for contextualized ministry and smaller groups and trying to make small churches out of big churches and that kids know somebody and Mm -hmm. that, you know, an adult shows up and speaks into their world. And I think, you know, this is a generation that feels like that they might have something to say or that, Mm -hmm. you know, that. And where else are there organizations training people to lean in and say, "What do you think?" Or right. you know, and I mean, n- nobody else. They get talked mm-hmm. at all day because the mm-hmm. school system's three generations behind. I was going to say, I don't know <laughs> if you too know what much I mean. Yeah. yeah, I mean, or ten generations behind. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 a result of the industrial revolution. You know, you right. sit in rows, you mm-hmm. get your stuff done, and we're still you know trying to get out of fluorescent lights, even though we've known for twenty five <laughs> years it's terrible for thinking, but. <laughs> it's cheap, right? So that's why we do it. Same way like as churches we can adjust faster though. And you can adjust faster the smaller the context. Mm-hmm, so you know mm-hmm. this whole idea of a small group based ministry with an adult who cares, who leans in, who is, what was the word you used, not necessarily uh, loyal yeah, or mm-hmm. to them or the other way, maybe the sort of thing that can unlock the key. I mm-hmm.
0: think that's a key word to keep in mind and a, a real person
3: a real person. Yeah, you know?
0: authentic, loyal. You know, I loyal think you ran and the direction of
2: loyalty. I think yes. that is huge. Yeah. I think one
1: of the things, one of the pitfalls we fall into in, in each generation is using technology as a way to connect with them. Like if I can just understand the technology, if I can just use it, it'll make me cool. I remember um, in the classroom working with some teachers who felt like and this was you know, 10 years ago, so we had millennials in the classroom, they felt like an assignment using email was cutting edge, and the kids would be so excited, and they didn't understand why the kids weren't excited that they got to write an email on paper printed out and hand it to the teacher, right. which was already right. amazing to me. And I said, well, the new, the new technology when you were growing up was a microwave. Right. How excited would you have been if that was your assignment, Right. It wasn't new to you. It was just a tool. Right. And email's what their parents use. It's just a tool. And I feel like with this generation who grew up in a time where they had screens everywhere and everything was smart and they were four years old when the iPhone came out, for them, it's just a tool. Mm-hmm. We're not yeah. newer or cooler because we use this app or that app or this technology or that technology. So our best bet as leaders who couldn't keep up with the technology, even if we wanted to, is to go for authenticity.
3: Mm -hmm. Well, we were talking about social media and when Ashley's talking about loyalty, it makes me wonder if I'm using social media right. You know, like Mm -hmm. am I I am out there giving them information that I think they should read or should I be making a big deal of them through my social media, leveraging my platform for them from the loyalty, you know? And I, I do remember, you know, one of the prizes we would give was that they would get, if they won a game, they would get a picture in front of this thing and we would post it on Instagram and we had, you know, lots of followers and they love that. Like Mm -hmm. that was a big deal to them. And maybe we, you know, got lucky on that that one. That's
0: interesting. So for what we know about Generation Z so far, what are some of the takeaways that we can have when it comes to ministry and ministering to them?
1: I think one of the takeaways for me is that this is, this is a new thing <laughs> and it won't be the last new thing that yeah. we encounter. I mean, if anything, research is teaching us that generations are showing up faster than they ever have before because technology is advancing faster and it's affecting culture faster. So generations are actually getting shorter and shorter. So in 10 years, we'll, we'll be adjusting to a new generation. And this is really a skill that we have to sharpen as leaders. We have to get good at adjusting culturally. And, and I would say part of that is we have to, as leaders, resist the temptation to see a generation change as something negative. Mm-hmm. Because as a millennial, I am sick to death. Of hearing people complain about millennials. I and I know Generation X, who is currently complaining about millennials, thank you very much, <laughs> is, was sick to death at one point of hearing the boomers talk badly about them. Mm-hmm. And, and eventually we will be annoyed at those Gen Z whippersnappers as well. But I think, can I say
0: whippersnappers? <laughs> <Is that laughs> you weird? just said whippersnappers. I think you just jumped to the boomer generation. <laughs> sorry, I just came we represent all of them.
1: Sorry, sorry. But the whole point is like, this is a good thing. And we can embrace it as a unique opportunity or we can embrace it as a terrible disadvantage. Well, it,
3: it is an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Every issue mm-hmm. like this is an opportunity. And we have got to get better at stepping back and thinking, okay, this is real. I can mm-hmm. complain about it. Where I can figure out where the opportunity is. Yeah. And I mean, they want to be authentic. What an opportunity. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's what we're trying yeah. to get right? people to do, you know, yeah. that we don't have to be perfect. What an opportunity. Right. You know what I mean? Like, that is so good. We can talk about scripture, you know, mm-hmm. and, and really dig into the context mm-hmm. of scripture and the history. I mean, yeah, what an I, opportunity. I felt like
0: the things that we, I saw over and over again in the Barna report were. This is a post-Christian world, yeah, and I, well, I think see that's the
3: that. Blank slate, right? Yeah, that's and I, the blank I, slate. I see that
0: could be a negative thing, but I, I I think you're right. I think it's a really positive thing too. I don't think that that's as depressing as it sounds for us when it comes mm-hmm. to reaching students. Right. Ashley, anything you want to add?
2: I think it's important to consider the fact that what's important to this generation is okay. Like it's mm-hmm. okay that their most important thing is education mm-hmm. or uh, financial independence. And that's not necessarily like you guys said, a bad thing, Right. Um, but it is learning how to come alongside that and still teach like truth and principles wrapped mm-hmm. around what is important to them mm-hmm. and how do they find their identity in Christ in the midst of valuing something like right. education and their mm-hmm. job, in such a a, a important manner yeah
0: yeah that's good
3: i think that just as leaders of this generation we have got to get real comfortable with um one we have to figure out what we think is timeless and what we the message we want to teach we have to be comfortable and confident in the fact that we're not changing the truth we're teaching we're just changing the approach and we also have to get comfortable with the fact that the generation there may be generations who don't understand
0: Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. they
3: may say to us, you know, like, why are you not teaching the truth? Well, oh. I am teaching that. You know what I mean? So, but, yeah. but they, they're That's uncomfortable it. because they don't feel the weight of it. We're or not have trying the same needs that, to that have that them feel the weight is. of it. This mm-hmm. is not directed at you. And I, I remember I used to have the parents come in and watch, you know, our program. And one of my favorite lines was, what did you think? You didn't love it. That's okay.
0: Yeah. It's mm-hmm.
3: not for you.
2: Yeah. <laughs> That's actually a good sign. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, <laughs> and, it, and it is a good sign. It, and
3: if you are programming wrong. so that you know an older generation is happy mm-hmm. with
2: it,
1: right,
3: you're gonna miss this generation. Yeah, and right. what a so,
1: proactive move, though, to do that. Well, that's gosh, cool.
3: I mean, if you're leading, people won't understand. If you don't have anybody that's looking in at what you're doing that doesn't understand you or isn't asking questions, or maybe they're just not mad at you, you're not leading. You're mm-hmm. just doing you know, the status quo. You're just doing what's going to keep you out yeah. of trouble, and that's not enough for this next generation. That's good.
2: I think it's important also um, to think about how you're defining spiritual maturity. Like is it, when you look at these numbers when it comes to Generation Z, are you looking at like who's actually attending church? Because then when you actually look at the personality of Generation Z, you would understand why they're not necessarily attending, but they want you to come to them in a way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, And in past generations, uh, maybe it was you know, getting married or having kids, which would be a mark of spiritual maturity doesn't necessarily mean that that is what spiritual maturity is. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, like what chef was saying, Mm -hmm. the, the markers are going to be different for this Mm -hmm. generation. And that doesn't mean it's bad. Right. It's different. Doesn't. Yeah. That's great. Well, this has been a great conversation and we've talked a lot about uh, the simulcast that Barna put on and the book Gen Z that they've made. So we're going to have links to all of those in the show notes, but we also want to do a giveaway for that book as well. So follow us on Instagram at XP3 students to make sure that you are able to participate in that. Thanks for joining us for the Rethinking Youth Ministry podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd love you to subscribe to the podcast through your podcast app. And while you're there, we'd love for you to leave us a review. Let us know how we're doing and what we can do to make this podcast better. If you want to dive deeper into what we talked about today and to check out our show notes and links to resources mentioned in this episode, visit our website, RethinkingYM.org. Until next time, thank you for listening.